Chapter 8 of The Headless Horseman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Headless Horseman, A Strange Tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter 8 The Crawl of the Alacran. The killing of the snake appeared to be the cue for a general return to quiescence. The howlings of the hounds ceased with those of the henchmen. The mustangs once more stood silent under the shadowy trees. Inside the cabin, the only noise heard was an occasional shuffling when Phelim, no longer feeling confidence in the protection of his cabristo, turned restlessly on his horse-skin. Outside also, there was but one sound to disturb the stillness, though its intonation was in striking contrast with that heard within. It might have been likened to a cross between the grunt of an alligator and the croaking of a bullfrog, but proceeding as it did from the nostrils of Zeb Stump, it could only be the snore of the slumbering hunter. Its sonorous fullness proved him to be soundly asleep. He was, had been, almost from the moment of re-establishing himself within the circle of his cabristo, the revanche obtained over his late disturber had acted as a settler to his nerves, and once more was he enjoying the relaxation of perfect repose. For nearly an hour did this contrasting duet continue, varied only by an occasional recitative in the hoot of the great horned owl, or a cantata penserosa in the lugubrious wail of the prairie wolf. At the end of this interval, however, the chorus recommenced, breaking out abruptly as before, and as before, led by the vociferous voice of the Connemara man. Milan mutter, cried he, his first exclamation, not only startling the host of the hut, but the guests so soundly sleeping outside. Holy Mother, Virgin of unprotected innocence, save me, save me. Save you from what? demanded his master, once more springing from his couch and hastening to strike a light. What is it, you confounded fellow? Another snake, Your Honor. Ouch! Be my soul, a far wickeder serpent than the one Mr. Stump killed. It bit me all over the breast. I feel the place burning where it crawled across me, just as if the horseshoer at Bally Bala had scorched me with a red-hot iron. Durn you for a stinkin' skunk, shouted Zeb Stump, with his blanket about his shoulder, quite filling the doorway. He has twice spoiled my night's sleep, you Irish fool. Excuse me, Mr. Gerald. There are fools in all countries, I reckon, Mexican as well as Irish. But this here fellow of yourn are the dumbest of the kind ever I come across. Doggoned, if I see how we're to get any sleep tonight, lest we drowned him in the crick first. Och, Mr. Stump, dear, don't talk that way. I swear to yous both, there's another snake. I'm sure it's in the cabin yet. It's only a minute since I feel it creeping over me. You must have been dreaming, rejoined the hunter, in a more complacent tone, 
and speaking half interrogatively. I tell you, no snake in Texas will cross a horsehair rope. That other one must have been inside the house afore ye laid the lariat round it. Tain't likely there can have been two of them. We can soon settle that by searching. Oh, mother, look here, cried the Galwegian, pulling off his shirt and laying bare his breast. There's the reptile's track right across me ribs. Didn't I tell yez there was another snake? Oh, blessed mother, what will become of me? It feels like a strake of fire. Snake, exclaimed Stump, stepping up to the frightened Irishman and holding the candle close to his skin. Snake, indeed. By the tarnation earthquake, it ain't no snake. It are worse than that. Worse than a snake? shouted Phelim in dismay. Worse, you says, Mr. Stump? Does you mean that it's dangerous? Well, it might be and it mightn't. That'll depend on whether I can find something about here and find it soon. If I don't, then, Mr. Phelim, I won't answer. Oh, Mr. Stump, don't say there's danger. What is it? demanded Maurice as his eyes rested upon a reddish line running diagonally across the breast of his follower, and which looked as if traced by the point of a hot spindle. What is it anyhow? he repeated with increasing anxiety as he observed the serious look with which the hunter regarded the strange marking. I never seen the like before. Is it something to be alarmed about? All of that, Mr. Gerald, replied Stump, motioning Maurice outside the hut and speaking to him in a whisper so as not to be overheard by Phelim. But what is it? eagerly asked the mustanger. It are the crawl of the poison centipede. The poison centipede? Has it bitten him? No, I hardly think it has, but it don't need to. The crawl itself are enough to kill him. Merciful heaven, you don't mean that. I do, Mr. Gerald. I'd seen more than one good fella go under with that same sort of stripe across his skin. If there ain't something done, and that soon, he'll first go into a raging fever, and then he'll go out of his senses, just as if the bite of a mad dog had given him the hydropathy. It ain't no use frightening him, howsomever, till I see what I can do. There's a herb, or rather, it are a plant as grows in these parts. If I can find it handy, there'll be no difficulty in curing him. But as that cussed lack would have it, the moon has sneaked out of sight, and I can only get the herb by groping. I know there are plenty up on the bluff, and if you go back inside and keep the fellow quiet, I'll see what can be done. I won't be gone but a minute. The whispered colloquy, and the fact of the speaker's having gone outside to carry it on, instead of tranquilizing the fears of Pelham, had by this time augmented them to an extreme degree, and just as the old hunter, bent upon his herborizing errand, disappeared in the darkness, he came rushing forth from the hut, howling more piteously than ever. It was some time before his master could get him tranquilized, and then, only by assuring him, on a faith not very firm, that there was not the slightest danger. A few seconds after this had been accomplished, Zed's stump 
reappeared in the doorway with a countenance that produced a pleasant change in the feelings of those inside. His confident air and attitude proclaimed, as plainly as words could have done, that he had discovered that of which he had gone in search, the herb. In his right hand he held a number of oval-shaped objects of dark green color, all of them bristling with sharp spines, set over the surface in equidistant clusters. Maurice recognized the leaves of a plant well known to him, the oregano cactus. "'Don't be scared, Mr. Fellum,' said the old hunter, in a consolatory tone, as he stepped across the threshold. "'There's nothing to fear now. I've got the blossom, and it'll draw the burning out of your blood quicker than a flame that scorch a feather. Stop your yelling, man. You've roused every bird and beast and creeping thing, too, I reckon.' out of the slumbers for more than twenty miles up and down the creek. If you go on at that gist much longer, you'll bring the Comanches out of the mountains, and that would be worse mayhap than the crawl of this hundred-legged critter. Mr. Gerald, you get ready a bandage while I prepares the pall-tice. Drawing his knife from its sheath, the hunter first lopped off the spines, and then, removing the outside skin, he split the thick, succulent leaves of the cactus into slices of about an eighth of an inch in thickness. These he spread contiguously upon a strip of clean cotton stuff already prepared by the mustanger, and then, with the ability of a hunter, laid the paltas, as he termed it, along the inflamed line, which he declared to have been made by the claws of the centipede, but which in reality were caused by the injection of venom from its poison-charged mandibles, a thousand times inserted into the flesh of the sleeper. The application of the oregano was almost instantaneous in its effect. The acrid juice of the plant, producing a counter-poison, killed that which had been secreted by the animal, and the patient, relieved from further apprehension and soothed by the sweet confidence of security, stronger from reaction, soon fell off into a profound and restorative slumber. After searching for the centipede and failing to find it, for this hideous reptile, known in Mexico as the alacran, unlike the rattlesnake, has no fear of crossing a cabristo. The improvised physician strolled silently out of the cabin, and once more, committing himself to his grassy couch, slept undisturbed till the morning. At the earliest hour of daybreak, all three were astir, Phelim having recovered from his fright and his fever, having made their matutinal meal upon the debris of the roast turkey, they hastened to take their departure from the hut. The quondam stable boy of Ballyboch, assisted by the Texan hunter, prepared the wild steeds for transport across the plains by stringing them securely together, while Maurice looked after his own horse and the spotted mare. More especially did he expend his time upon the beautiful captive, carefully combing out her mane and tail, and removing from her glossy coat the stains that told of the severe chase she had cost him before her proud neck yielded to the constraint of his lasso. "'Darn it, man!' exclaimed Zeb, 
as with some surprise he stood watching the movements of the Mustanger. You needn't have been so particular. Woodley Poindexter ain't the man as'll go back from a bargain. You'll get the two hundred dollars, sure as my name, Arcebelin Stump. And doggone my cats, if that mare ain't worth every red cent of the money. Maurice heard the remark without making reply, but the half-suppressed smile playing around his lips told that the Kentuckian had altogether misconstrued the motive for his assiduous grooming. In less than an hour after, the Mustanger was on the march, mounted on his blood bay, and leading the spotted mare at the end of his lasso, while the captive Cavallada, under the guidance of the Galwingian groom, went trooping at a brisk pace over the plain. Zeb Stump, astride his old mare, could only keep up by constant hammering with his heels, and Tara, picking his steps through the spinous mesquite grass, trotted listlessly in the rear. The hut, with its skin door closed against animal intruders, was left to take care of itself, its silent solitude for a time, to be disturbed only by the hooting of the horned owl, the scream of the cougar, or the howl-bark of the hungering coyote. End of chapter 8 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas